And uh, just so you know, this is what my slides look like today. See that? Nothing. So uh, we may not, uh, our connection is uh, not working. So, uh, but I've got, that, that's what sometimes people say, why do you have a hard copy? That's why I have a hard copy. And uh, a lot of times I, I bounce around a little bit, so the guys are going to try to uh, help us and keep up this morning. But if not, hey, we'll just, uh, we'll be fine. You know, long before those things ever came along, people were still preaching. And uh, so, so we'll, we'll be okay. Um, let's pray, and we're going to jump right in. Lord, help us guide and direct our words, our thoughts this morning. We pray that you'd speak to every heart. And I pray that your work and your will would be accomplished. God, would you help us? Would you correct? Would you instruct? And Lord, would you do that that, uh, Lord, only you can? And Lord, help us to not just hear, (coughs) but God, help us to be obedient today. And I pray that uh, as you move and as you lead and direct in our life, Lord, we'd be faithful uh, to follow you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Just uh, very, very quickly, uh, we, we talked about faith, and, and uh, we mentioned, and I'm going to run through these real quickly, faith must be in the right person. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Are, are we on here? This doesn't seem very, very, very good. Are we, can you give me a little more juice? Can you hear me in the back? Okay. All right. Um, faith must be in the right person. That's in the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, faith is the only means of salvation. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And uh, uh, it's got to be, you have to understand that. It is the only means of salvation. The Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. The third thought is that faith is, um, is supported by our works, our life evidence. And the Bible reminds us that uh, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. And we be- what we say we believe is uh, supported by how we live. Uh, I use the simple analogy, simple example. Uh, you believe that chair would hold you when you came in. You didn't even look at it. I don't think anybody studied it. You just sat down in it. Um, I'd hate to think we have more faith in a chair than we do in a sovereign God. But uh, you never met the guy who designed that. Um, he did a lot of things, and it was probably a team of people, and they wanted to make sure it was comfortable so that you could sit through church, you know? Um, which, by the way, is nothing like it used to be years ago, man. I can remember going to church with my grandparents in, in hardwood pews with a potbelly stove in the front at the very center by an altar. I remember seeing that years ago, and that was the only heat in the building, and uh, you would sit on there until they were done. Uh, by the way, in the Old Testament, a lot of times they stood, and they would stand for hours, and the only guy who got to sit was the one who was reading the Word of God. So you all stand this morning. I'm going to put my chair right up here. But um, anyhow, so then we, we travel to number four, faith is unseen but felt. Now, the Bible reminds us faith is a substance of things. There's that word again, hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's not positive thinking, by the way. It's absolute trusting, and there is a difference. Uh, Then the next thing we notice is faith is hope when we see no way. The Bible reminds us, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for we walk by faith, not by sight. It's easy to say that. It's tougher still to practice it. Then number six was strength when we have none, and that's what faith is. 
And sometimes you feel you can't go on, particularly if you're going through a challenging or a trying time. A faith is strength when we have none. Paul wrote, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's unfair to read that, ber- that verse so quickly because you think about what Paul's saying. I take pleasure, shipwreck, beating, stoned, prison, left for dead, a thorn in the flesh that never went away in spite of his petitions to God. And he said, I take pleasure in those things. Remember, it was David who said, it was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. David understood that sometimes those are the things that drive us closest to him. The Bible tells us there is none that seeketh after God. By the way, you won't go seeking after God until your world typically gets turned upside down. It's just, it's just human nature. You say, no, no, I've been going to church all my life, or I, I have a heart for God. Well, then you're the one guy that God forgot about in the Bible, because the Bible says there is none that seeketh after God. The Bible says that we go astray from the womb, speaking lies. The, 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 you did not find God because he was never lost. God found you, and God has been searching, and God continues in his mercy and his long-suffering to reach out to you. Most people think about where you're at in your sin in your life. You're never going to get right with God until you get sick of it. It doesn't matter what your sin is. The Bible says, let us lay aside every weight in these sin which does so easily beset us. But I'm going to tell you this right now. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with a sin, you're not going to quit it. Not till, not till you are sick and tired of it. That's why sometimes so many of us, we, we, well, I'm going to do better. 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 You know, just hit that rewind button and keep playing it every time. You're not going to do better until you're tired of your sin. At that moment, you, you, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like the prodigal. <laughs> Everybody has a moment when they come to themselves. You just better hope you have enough life left at the end when that moment comes. Because the prodigal came to himself. He was broke. He lost his family. He was in a pig pen eating the husks after the hogs had chewed on him. And he came to himself. Oh, this didn't turn out quite like I thought it would. And I say that a little bit lightly, but that's the nature of sin. The Bible says that uh, we're, we sin when we're drawn away of our own lust. Lust, when it is conceived, bringing forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringing forth death. By the way, wasn't it great to see the President of the United States at the, uh, the March for Life? Um, Hey, listen, I don't like half his tweets either, okay? So I'm not sitting here trumpeting everything he does. I didn't mean to say trumpeting either. <laughs> I really didn't. I, but, I, but I will say this. I will say this. God is pro-life. Make no mistake about it. And I was, yeah, there are a lot of things about him I don't like. There's a lot of things about me I don't like. I don't tell you about them. Okay. And probably if we brought you up here, there'd be a few people say, well, there's some things about him I don't like. I've never met anybody that I liked everything about except my wife. (laughs) Just in case she's listening. (laughs) But I was grateful for that. Nobody heard it. Don't worry. It was just so subtle, really. I'm the only one. So Paul said, man, those things that happened to me, it was a good thing. David said those things that happened to me was a good thing because they drew me to him. And when you get to the place where you, I'm tired of it, um, 
For some people, it's too late. My uncle said that to me on his deathbed at age 42 from alcohol and drugs. And uh, he was 42, and uh, it's time now. No, because you're not getting out of here. He came to himself, but it was way too late. And so don't ever think, I'm going to get right with God when I get good and ready, because when you get good and ready, it might be too late for you. Two thieves hung on the cross on either side of Christ. They, that was their getting right with God moment. No question about it. One of them did, one of them didn't. And so faith is strength when we have none. Faith is walking when we cannot see the road ahead. Then I'll move to these, these last few thoughts, <coughs> and Lord willing, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up this morning. Uh, number eight, faith is the key to unlocking everything that God has for you. Um, I want to share a verse, a verse very familiar, and it's, it's found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. There's the screen. Come on, guys. Try to stay with me. Okay. You're actually doing pretty good because my screen is still black. I see nothing. So there you go. Thank you. Hebrews eleven six. 6. The Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God, now notice this, must believe several things. Must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, the first part of that verse is so important in the message this morning because without faith, it is impossible to please him. That means it doesn't matter what you've got, what you do, God is never pleased when it's void of faith. That's what the Bible says. And so when we say, so what does faith (coughs) do? What faith will do, it is unlock everything that God has for you. First of all, what's the first thing God has for you? Salvation. The Bible says, God. sometimes people say, what's the will of God? Well, I know the will of God is for nobody to be lost. God said, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you die without Christ, and in a crowd this size, there are probably some people that are playing religion, probably some people who've made a profession, but there's nothing real. There's not been a, a, Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And you, you don't want to play games with eternity. That's a, there's, a, there's win or lose. There's no middle ground. And so you don't get there without faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in his finished work. You say, well, I did this. Well, if you say, I did this, you're already heading the wrong direction. Because salvation is nothing you did. It's what you've accepted in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We say the verse, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy has saved us. And so we, we realize you can't please God. What's God's first will? Everybody gets saved. I don't care who you are, God doesn't want you to go to hell. In fact, he's more concerned about your soul than you ever were. Think about that. Because before you even arrived on the planet, he sent his son, the Bible says, slain from the foundation of the world. It was in God's providential plan and timing long before you were ever even thought of that you would have the opportunity to be redeemed. God did that knowing that most of humanity would reject him. The overwhelming percentage of people that have ever drawn a breath have rejected Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're trusting other things. They're trusting other religions or different writings or teachings of other people. Or maybe they just think, hey, we, you know, you eat, drink, and be merry, which is in the Bible. That's a Bible passage. But remember, after that, God said about that guy, thou fool, 
Tonight thy soul shall be required of thee. So if anybody ever says, well, the Bible says eat, drink, and be merry, remember the totality of the context. The guy who said it went to hell right after he said it. You don't want to leave this life thinking, well, I'm just going to go ahead and do my own thing and maybe it'll all work out okay. You must understand that God said, you can't please me without faith. And the first will of God for everybody that's ever drawn a breath is to be saved. God is not willing that any should perish. Then may I say this, number nine, next slide, fellas, if you would. Number nine, faith is acquired through God's word. Romans 1.17 reminds us the just shall live, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, as it is written, that means the word of God, the just shall live by faith. I'm going to say this, go, go back to the point slide, if you would, guys, real quickly. Faith is acquired through God's word. I believe with all of my heart that one of the biggest reasons we struggle with faith is we don't read the Bible. If you say, I'm struggling in my faith, one of my first questions should be, it may not always be, one of my first questions should be, do you read the Bible? It's, it's not a trick question. It's not try to trap you. Every once in a while, I hear somebody who's been in church for many years, and they'll say, I'm really struggling with my faith. I'm not sure what I believe anymore. First question ought to be, do you read the Bible? Oh, that's your answer for everything. No, it's not my answer. I don't really have an opinion on it. God did. He said, for therein, that's how it's revealed. It is written, the just shall live by faith. Your faith is challenged, charged, and increased through the reading of the Word of God. You show me somebody that reads the Bible with regularity, and I'll show you somebody that has very solid faith. You say, does the Bible have the answer for everything? Yeah. Pretty much. It does. That's the reason God wrote it. He said, here's a plan. It's a plan for your life. It's a plan for your eternity. It's a plan how to live and, and how to, uh, you, you go through any of the commands of the Old Testament and the New Testament, how to get along with your neighbor, how to get along with your family, how to get along with your spouse, how to get along with government, and, and all of those things, how to handle your finances, how to handle relationships, everything. It's, it's in the Bible. God really does have the answer. And he says, do you trust me? Well, I just don't know. Read what he has written. And so faith is acquired through the reading of God's word. By the way, one of the best times to start reading the Bible is the beginning of a new year. And uh, we've got the Bible reading calendars on the counter out there. But even if, I, I, I can't imagine if you're not reading the Bible in at least some form. I was talking to several people this this past, uh, well, over the holidays or the first part of the year. And they told me, they said, for the first time in my life, I read the Bible through this year. And I guarantee you, their faith has bumped up. It spiked this year prior to other times in their life. I guarantee it has. You say, how do you know that? Have they told you that? No, but God said it. Your faith is strengthened through his word. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Sometimes people think, well, I come to church and, you know, you throw those verses up there. I read them all. That's good. I mean, that's all right. It's kind of like you going through the week and saying, well, I picked up some Panera on the counter. I'm good. Now, you got some carbs, a little starch for you there this morning, enough to make you a little drowsy in the service. But if you're going to count on everything you got for the week in terms of your protein and your diet and your strength this week, I would say by tomorrow, you're going to be really struggling. And I would say by Saturday, you're toast. You say, oh, I can't wait till Panera on Sunday, man. I can't even. Are you kidding? You're going to make sure you're taken care of. And if the only, the only word of God we ever get is what's thrown up there on the screen, you're going to struggle. 
If all you ever get is, well, we read five verses in my, in my connection group class this morning, and so I got those, and I really paid attention. In fact, I read them while they were reading them. I was really into it. I got a lot of Bible. That, that, that won't cut it. You've got to be in the Bible with regularity for your faith to strengthen. Now, notice the next one, if you would, guys. Number 10 there. <coughs> faith is fostered through preaching. Regular attendance to God's Word and attention to the preaching of it is paramount to spiritual growth. Notice this verse. By the way, these are things God's saying. I'm not giving you my opinion. Sometimes people say, what's your opinion? Well, if God has an opinion, I don't really have one. And so the Bible says, so then faith cometh. This is King James English, I realize, but it's pretty easy to understand here. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So you have the component of both, the combination of the Word of God, second thing, through hearing it. That's a preaching of the Word of God. Most of what you will ever face in life is answered and covered in these two things, the Word of God and the preaching of the Word of God. You'll, you'll hear... So, uh, by the way, that's why sometimes a service or a message today may not be for you today. It might be for you down the road. It might be for you down the road next week, next month, next year. You don't have any idea, but God says, your faith is strengthened by the reading of the Word of God and by attention to the preaching of the Word of God. If, listen, I've been in church and I've been zoned out. I've sat in church services before. I can remember, I can remember sitting in church and uh, we had a revival meeting when I was a kid in the fall every year. It was always during the week of the World Series. Always. Well, if you don't really follow baseball or your team's never in it, that's not a big deal. It's like, oh, I don't care anyway. But it was, this was during the 70s with the big red machine, and I grew up a Reds fan. Still a Reds fan. I know this thing, but I'm still a Reds fan. And I can remember 1975, they were playing the Red Sox. Went seven games, Titanic series, one of the greatest series in baseball history. Reds won in seven games. But I remember that entire week. And, and by the way, there wasn't anything. You couldn't record anything, all right? It was rough. Yeah, we struggled. There was no da-da-da, da-da-da. There was none of that. Some of you don't know what that is. It's my ringtone, Sports Center. Um, there was no top 10 plays, none of that stuff. In fact, if you did not watch the game, normally you'd have to check the scores in the newspaper. And when, I was ba- when we lived back in the Eastern time zone, if they were playing on the West Coast, for instance, it would say, too late for print. And you, you couldn't pick up a number and call. You couldn't like, you were just, it was horrible. It's terrible. So I can remember sitting back there, and I remember this, this preacher, and he was preaching. He was one of those guys, leather-lunged, man. I mean, he was flinging it. He was preaching. He was all over the place, slobbering, you know, just really going at it. And I'm sitting back there, I wonder what Johnny Bench is doing. And P. Rose, Tony Perez, Dave Concepcion, George Foster, Dan Dreesen. I mean, I was going through the lineup here. Cesar Geronimo, the whole lineup. I wonder how they're doing. I wonder how they're doing. I was, I was totally clueless. Probably some of you right now, on any given Sunday, you don't have a clue what's being preached. I don't take that as a personal offense. I just realize that's how our culture is. That's how our nature is. I mean, when I grew up, nobody had this thing flipping every few minutes to get your attention. Go to the next slide. What is it? Because that's kind of how we're wired now. I mean, literally, it is a very, very different culture. I can remember going to church when, when uh, the pastor would announce we're having a revival and he would never give an ending date. I don't mean that. It's funny. I'm, I'm very serious. 
he wouldn't give an ending date. He'd say, well, we're going we're to start revival this Sunday. I remember, I remember, Amanda would remember this. She, she would, would have been old enough because the church where I was assistant pastor, and uh, Lauren probably wouldn't remember because she never paid attention. No, um, <laughs> she was actually too young. And, uh, but I can remember starting a revival in October and going into November, and we had been going for 29 days every night, every night. And I remember he, when he'd have a, an evangelist, well, so-and-so is going to be here for the first seven days, and then so-and-so is going to be here after that, and then we'll just see if the Lord wants us to keep going. We'll keep going. You'd freak out. You know you would. Do you know the average Christian today considers himself to be faithful if they show up for church two times a month? It's a very different culture. And most of those people aren't doing bad things. It's not like, well, I'm just going to go out and live in vice and immorality. It's, no, I'm going to go play ball. I'm going to go to the coast. I'm going to go skiing. None of those things are bad. It's just that God gets kicked to the curb. Man, this is uncomfortable this morning, isn't it? Can't can't you say something really nice to us? God loves you. That's why he gave you his word. And so... How does my faith increase? Well, your faith is not increased on the slopes. Oh, yes, it is, Pastor. When I go, I just think of God's creation. Oh, okay, okay. All right? Me and God out here, it's just, it's just it's so peaceful. And I just, I just get, it's my time alone with God. Are you kidding me? He, 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 there's nothing wrong with skiing. Okay, I, I don't ski. I, I don't like falling. Okay? And I'm not picking, I, I, it, it would be anything. My point is this, we have abandoned the things that God said. I'll tell you why faith in our country, in our culture, and in our churches is on a drastic downturn. It's because we've forsaken the Bible and we've forsaken his house. Your faith is strengthened by the word of God and the preaching of the word of God. Hey, listen, you're going to hear better preaching than me in your lifetime. Don't say amen to that. And I'm mindful of it every week. I mean, I, I want to make sure that when I preach, I, that there's something that's prepared and God has spoken to my heart about something ahead of time. I don't want to just sit up here and try to wing it all. Just go ahead and fling it up there. I don't want to do that. But I know this, God has something for each and every one of us every time we come to church. That includes me. And my faith is strengthened when I read the Bible and my faith is strengthened when I listen to preaching, you say, when do you listen to preaching? I listen to preaching every week. I read preaching every week. You say, why? Because I'm no different than you. If the only preaching I ever get is mine, bah. I don't even want to listen to me preach. I mean, sometimes people say, oh, yeah, I, I listen to that again. And I, every once in a while, and I don't, don't encourage you to do it, but I'll, I'll play something sometimes. Someone will say, listen to this, and I'll listen to one of our sermons, and it's me preaching. I'm thinking, oh, now I'll turn it off. So I understand if you're doing that this morning too. But why are you struggling in your faith? The Bible and the hearing of the Word of God. Then may I say this further, and I really got to hustle. James chapter 1, verse 5 and 6 tells us, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Point number 11 is faith needs to accompany our prayer. 
sometimes you'll have a burden that is so intense and you just want to pour out your heart to God. And by the way, I encourage people when you pray, be very plain and plain spoken to God. God God is not enamored. Fellas, it's a slide right before that if you can throw it up there. God is not enamored with your language or speech. He's not in, you know, it's like Peter when he sinks, he doesn't say, the waves are so boisterous. They're overwhelming me at this present moment. I shall undoubtedly wash under. He doesn't say, every once in a while my wife will say, I'll put K as a reply. You know, just the letter K. How many of you do that? I mean, it's, you know, K. And so the, the other day my wife said to me, I, I should read it, but I won't. She said something about, you know, your texts, they're, they're so, so short and simple. And so I, I wrote this for, for a yes or no answer, this like two paragraphs on a text. And I used, I used every big word I could, some of them I didn't even know. But I, I put them in there and then sent that one. But when you pray, God is not interested in your great prayer. Peter said, save me. You know, sometimes David's prayers were, deliver me. God, help me. And so, faith needs to accompany our prayer, the vehicle that drives and delivers it to the throne. And that is, you've got to believe that, first of all, that God hears you and that God wants to answer your prayer and that God will answer your prayer. One of the great lessons from that is, though, that don't always expect your prayers to get answered in your time and in your fashion. I, I say it so many times. Paul, sometimes as a Christian, you think God owes you, and God doesn't owe any of us anything. When the Bible says it is the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because His compassions, they fail not. The only reason you're alive today is because of God's mercy, not because, well, I take care of myself. Oh, don't, don't, don't try that with God. I'm alive. I got up today. I drew my breath because of God's mercy to me. That's it. That's it. His compassions, they fail not. But, but I know this. God says, pray, believing you shall receive them. But the Bible also tells us, pray according to God's will. For whatever reason, it wasn't God's will to heal Paul. For whatever reason, it wasn't God. You know, Job, if, if anybody was owed, it would have been Job. You look at Joseph, you look at John the Baptist, John the Baptist, for crying out loud, he's the guy who says, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He announces Jesus is coming, and then he goes to prison. While he's in prison, he gets so discouraged, he sends words to, word to Jesus Christ, in essence saying, send this message to Jesus Christ and ask, is he the one, is he he who should come, or do we look for someone else? Wait just a second. It was just a moment ago, you were saying, behold, the Lamb of God was taking away the sin of the world, but now the tables have turned, you're in prison, your life is threatened, and you're wondering, is Jesus Christ even who he claimed to be? John the Baptist, of whom God said, there's none born greater among women than John the Baptist. God owed John the Baptist nothing. John the Baptist is beheaded in prison. How did that happen? And so sometimes we think, we mistake, we think, well, God owes me. God doesn't owe you anything. It's His mercy and long-suffering upon each and every one of us. But faith needs to accompany your prayer. When you go to God, believe that God can, believe that God will, and trust that God will according to His will. 
then may I say this, James chapter 1, uh, James chapter 1, verse 5 to 6, if you could put those up there again. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. The, sec- the next thought after that is faith and steady. Faith is steady, a calm and troubled, uncertain times. Because you're going to go through difficulty in life. I, I wish I could say that simple faith takes everything away, but it doesn't. Sometimes we as Christians, we think, again, that God's going to make everything okay. You, you know that faith is not a guarantee. Listen to me, hear this. Faith is not a guarantee that everything's going to work out okay for you. Faith is a guarantee that you're going to be okay no matter how things work out. And there's a monumental difference between the two. Sometimes we think, well... I believe God, and since I believe God, and I'm trusting God, that everything's going to be okay. No, it just means you're going to be okay no matter what happens. What if what happens is bad? John the Baptist, Job, Joseph, we keep going, the Apostle Paul, Thomas, crucified upside down, saints across the country and around the world over the centuries, even yet today, who are being martyred for their faith. You say, they, they, do they have faith? Sure, they have faith. But faith doesn't always give you an answer according to your will. Because God is a big picture God. And so faith is steady, a calm in troubled, uncertain times. And the last point is this, from Matthew 17, verse 20. If you could pull that verse up, guys, Matthew 17, 20. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, he chides them here for their unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. The last point is very clear, and that is faith. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much faith. Probably in a crowd this size, there's somebody that's lost. You say, how much faith do you have to have? That much. You have to believe several things. Number one, you've got to believe you're a sinner. The Bible says that. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. That's each and every one of us. That includes me, includes you. So I have to realize that I'm a sinner. I realize there's a penalty for sin, and I realize that somebody paid that penalty for me. And all I have to do is place my faith and trust in Him. But when it comes to your life and the things that you're facing, you have to remember that faith is, guys, put that last image up there, the quote. And I alluded to it a moment ago. Faith is not about everything turning out okay. It's about being okay no matter how things turn out. Because I don't know what's happening in your life today or what you're still struggling with from the past. Probably in a crowd this size on any given Sunday, somebody's hurting. You're disappointed. You're you're troubled, maybe even broken. And you wonder why things didn't turn out like you thought they would. You say, well, I believed, and I, and I thought because I believed that everything was going to... No, no, no. Because God doesn't owe you. He doesn't owe me. But He does deserve and demand our trust. Because He said, without that, you can't please me. And so you have to have faith and believe God, even though you don't have an answer. Job was so discouraged that he got to the place where he thought, man, it was better for me if I'd never been born. 
he despaired of his very life. He said it was a bad day when they announced my birth because of the despair and the hurt and the loss in his life. But you have to understand, faith is not about everything turning out okay for you. It's knowing this, you're going to be okay no matter how things turn out. You say, why is that significant? Because God said the evidence, the fruit of the Spirit for the child of God is that he trusts. He doesn't always have an answer. He doesn't always know how it's going to turn out. But he never stops trusting. You say, is it enough to believe? Yes. Only trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him now. You're going to be okay no matter what's happening in your life as a child of God. Always remember that. That is faith. Shall we stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed?